The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Amen. Thank you for having me again this morning. It's, uh, it's always a blessing to come back to, as Kevin was praying this morning, a son of the house, as he described me as, uh, as he was praying. And, uh, and that's a good way of putting it. That is what I am. And uh, grateful to be here. Um, it's five years next month that uh, Kizzy and I were prayed for and released to go on a journey. And we, even then, we didn't know where we were going. Uh, we'd been in Portugal for about four and a half of those years. And just as way of update, the thing is, when I come back to the, to the house... Um, I struggle just to give an update of what we've been doing because I always feel such a connection to you and to the church, to Bromley, and I always feel like God has a word for the church rather than me telling you what we've been doing. But I'll simply say this, <laughs> we, are, uh, we are a house of prayer community in the Algarve of Portugal. Um, we lead a, a community of believers that gather uh, every week, seeking the Lord together. It's unusual. We meet in a garden. It'll be hot there this morning, but they have some shade. And, uh, and Pastor Jonathan, as some of you know, is there in Portugal. I did talk to him about maybe doing a pulpit swap, but he's on holiday. He's resting. Um, but five years is a, you know, it's a long time. It's mind-boggling. But in Portugal, uh, there's a great hunger amongst the churches. We've been working with a number of churches in the city where we are. And I suppose for ourselves, we're sensing a hunger for God this year. There's suddenly a renewing in our hearts to, to run after God with greater fire and perseverance. Uh, there's an acknowledgement that in and of ourselves, we cannot see the breakthrough that God wants to bring, but God wants to use us. And blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they need God and hunger and thirst for righteousness. The kingdom belongs to such people. To such people, God will fill. So, in Portugal, we're praying for many things that I believe that you're praying for here. For God to move, for God to awaken, for God to stir. And I want to start this morning speaking a little bit about one of my favorite characters in Scripture. It's John the Baptist, uh, uh, or John the Baptizer was probably what he was called in the time. And uh, I want to read from, uh, from Luke chapter 1. And this is a key moment. He had just been born, and his father, Zachariah, had been mute. And the question goes out, and they're asking, what shall his name be? And they were shocked when it was told to them that his name should be John. And in that moment, Zachariah, uh, his voice was released in himself, and he began to prophesy over his son in that moment, just eight days old. And the prophecy goes, I'm not going to read the whole of it, but part of it from Luke 1, verse 76, says this. 
And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way of the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break in upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. It was a powerful moment, I imagine, with the families gathered and suddenly one who could not speak was released and was saying such powerful words over their son, a son that had been promised, a son that they'd been waiting for. Parents among us, I'd encourage you to prophesy over your children. Perhaps it won't be these words, but to keep declaring over their identity, who they are, who they've been made to be, is something that we are all called to do as parents. That's a slight aside. Because in John chapter 1, we hear another uh, kind of uh, declaration of about, about John the baptizer, who he was and what he came to do. And I want to jump into John chapter 1 now from verse 4, where we hear this. Firstly, it's speaking about Jesus. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light. He was sent to bear witness of the light that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Ahead of Christ coming, John the Baptist was sent out as a witness to speak of the light that came to shine in the midst of darkness. He was just a man, but a man who'd been given a role. The same John who was then called to proclaim the knowledge of salvation, as was prophesied by his dad. The same John who would tell them how to receive remission or, or the forgiveness of their sins. The same John who was the one who, when he began to speak, the morning light of heaven broke out among them. And what did it look like when John set about taking on this role? He was just about six months older than Jesus, and he became known in the area as an unusual man, dressed differently, lived differently, ate differently. But the message he carried was something like this. So we're just also going to jump into Mark chapter 1. And it says this. This messenger, John the Baptist, he was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. It says in verse 5, all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. So preceding the, kind of, the coming of Jesus, or at least the public ministry of Jesus, was John, the messenger. He was a witness to the light, and he called a people to repentance. And in turn, God's people went out to listen. Uh, in turn, the people of Judea, of Jerusalem, came. And it says that everyone went. 
all people went. And it says that many of them heard the message. They heard the voice of the Lord speaking and they were baptized to show they repented of their sins and turned to God. What does it take in a city like Jerusalem for all people to put down their tools, their work, whatever it is, their family life, whatever they're doing, and to go into the wilderness, to leave and to go to listen to a man and a message. Even when the message wasn't necessarily what they wanted to hear, something took place, something swept through the city, sudden conviction, a sudden hunger, a sudden desire amongst the city to go and to hear a man speak. And what happened? Repentance. What happened? Obedience to the voice to go through the waters of baptism. What happened? A sudden awareness of the holiness of God and perhaps the lack of holiness within. There are times when there can be an urgency to go, to fall on your knees and to respond to the voice of God. There's many stories of revivals across the ages when it was repentance that caused the breakthrough amongst the people, when they suddenly became aware of their, uh, the lack of clean, cleanliness of their, their hands, the impurity of their hearts, and they needed to run to Jesus, to bow their knees, wherever they were, whether they're in the field working or whether they're in the, in the factory. You hear the story of the Hebridean revival. It didn't matter where they were. They fell to their knees as a conviction came upon them that they were sinners that needed salvation. And I believe that God today in the earth is stirring the body of Christ to a place of repentance again. Isaiah chapter 55 says this in verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God he will freely pardon Israel left Jerusalem and Judea and came out to hear John and to bow their knee and to seek the face of the Lord and to, to willingly go through baptism. The cry of John's voice touched their hearts in a deep and powerful way. And because of what was taking place, there was a sudden anticipation, an excitement amongst the people that God was about to move. Something was about to happen. There was a stirring. There was a whispering. And it says in Luke 3.15 that everyone was expectant. They were expectant for the Messiah to come soon. There was also a people who went out to hear John, but did not go through baptism, did not repent. And John spoke with fairly blunt and 
forceful words to them. To the Pharisees and the Sadducees who would not repent, John called them snakes. A brood of vipers was the word that he used. If you think of the connotation of snake in scripture, a snake is one who brings darkness, who brings oppression, who prevents people from coming to the light. In these words in Luke 3 verse 8, Uh, John said, prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to one another, we're safe for we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. The call to these Pharisees and Sadducees was bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Because repentance is an outward act and it's seen by your actions. But what held them back? It was pride. Pride held them back. They thought of themselves not to be sinners. They considered themselves to already be holy and right with God. They thought that because we're descendants of Abraham, we have no need to go through repentance. We're already his chosen people. But as John came, he He lit a candle in the darkness. He he switched a light on in the hearts of the people. And as was prophesied, the light broke in over the city. The light broke in over Israel to give them a light for those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. John's words, John's ministry set in motion the coming of Jesus Christ As he witnessed to the light, a wave of repentance took over the city that led to the breakthrough of the light of Jesus Christ shining through his life and ministry upon the earth. The work of Jesus did the ultimate work for us who believe that transformed us and transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of the son of his love, it says in scripture, in Colossians chapter 1. It says, in Jesus, in whom we have redemption through the blood and the forgiveness of sins. So the work that Jesus then came to do was to finally transfer people out of darkness into light. What preceded Christ's coming was the message of John, the witness to the light. And it was all prophesied way before in the in books of Isaiah and in the Psalms of what was to come. One of which, Isaiah 60, says this. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. A thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Today, it feels pretty dark at times. I don't know if you, you know, darkness is tangible. You can feel it sometimes. There's a a heaviness an awareness of deep suffering. The connotations to darkness in Scripture obviously results 
or flows from sin, but it is, brings about, should I say, misery, destruction, death, sorrow, wickedness. The Hebrew word for darkness is also connected to uh, ignorance. Ignorance. And put it this way, if your heart or your mind is darkened to God, you lack the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You lack an understanding of who he is and what he's done. And it says that Satan comes to darken our minds and blind us to the reality of God. And if the earth is under a thick darkness, if the earth is engulfed by a kingdom of darkness, people are blinded to God's goodness, his salvation and his truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 puts it this way. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So if ignorance is a way of describing blindness and not knowing God's goodness, his grace, his mercy, his love is what caused people to walk in darkness, to walk in every kind of evil, bound by sin, living under untold suffering, addiction, curse of death, pride and greed. There's like a blanket of lostness upon the nations, of hopelessness. And what people do is that they turn to other things to try and give them hope. They turn to other gods. They turn to other potential lights for their comfort. But Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Here in Bromley, in London, in the UK, there are people who are stumbling over themselves, searching for hope, searching for life, searching for light. There are people who are without God and therefore without hope. But let's go back to John chapter 1, verse 5, that says this, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. Darkness cannot understand or comprehend the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what light is. It's the awareness of who Jesus is, who God is. The salvation of God that John came to witness is the light that shone through him. Today, we need the light to be turned on. Today, we need to arise. We need to, I'll put it the right way around, awake. We need to arise and we need to shine for him. But here is the question. Where are the witnesses to the light of Christ today? Where are the voices calling out in the wilderness? Today, how will people hear and find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins? Where are the ones who will shine the light of Jesus Christ today? I think most of you know the answer. It's you. It's me. We are to shine the light of Jesus into the dark places. 
as John was sent ahead of Christ, we've been sent after Christ. And what I desire, what's in my heart, is there would be an anticipation. There would be a a sweeping move amongst us that that God is about to move through us. Because Jesus came to shine through us. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town up on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. This morning, I want to ask you, is your light hidden under a basket? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says that God said, let light shine out of darkness. You find it in Genesis chapter 1. Let light shine out of darkness. It says, the one who said, let light shine out of darkness, make his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. There is a world outside that have no knowledge of God. They've not seen the face of Jesus Christ. They've not encountered his love and his mercy. They are still hidden in ignorance to God's goodness, bound by sin, heading for destruction that need to see Jesus. Five years ago, when Kizzy and I stood here holding Joshua as well, before Hosanna was born, uh, Pastor Jonathan sent us out, blessed us, and he gave me a torch. And this little black torch, he just gave it to me and he said, you are the light of the world. And he was just a declaration, go, go to wherever God is sending you and be the light of the world. And I suppose today I've returned and I'm saying it to you guys. Be the light of the world. It describes John the Baptist in John 5 verse 35 as a burning and shining one in his generation. And today I want to say to you, be a burning and shining one in this dark, broken, confused generation. But we have an issue Because that's what we're called to be. But are we shining? And I want to read from Ephesians chapter 5, from verse 8. Paul knew who we were called to be. He knew what we are to do and what Christ had done in us. And he has these words. He says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. 
But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. Whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. It is for us to shine the light of Christ in this desperate, dark world. But are we, as God's children, walking in the light? Are we inquiring of the Lord what is acceptable for him? Are we still walking in fellowship with darkness? Are we allowing the light of Christ to expose our hearts to him? It says the light makes manifest darkness. It reveals darkness. Paul writes to expose darkness. But where are we walking ourselves in darkness? If we're to expose the darkness outside, it first starts with dealing with that which is within. We are to awake from sleep. We are to arise from the dead so that Christ will give us light. You know, repentance, turning to God, turning from a life of sin, turning to God is a beautiful thing. It says in Acts chapter 3 verse 19 that uh, repent, convert to the Lord and times of refreshing will come upon you. God wants you to walk in the refreshing that comes through repentance. God wants us to arise and shine. He wants us to awake from slumber. He wants us to step into the fullness that he has for us because the dark and broken world needs the light to shine through us. Jesus cannot shine through one of us if we're still walking in darkness, if we're still bound by sin, if we're still walking in ways that are unholy and unacceptable. It shows that we still love the darkness, and yet we're called to love Christ first. John 3.19 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world But people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. When John, uh, when Jesus in John chapter 8 first kind of proclaimed, he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will no longer walk in darkness, but will receive the light of life. The message for this morning is to inquire of the Lord, allow his light to expose us. Is there any wickedness within us, in our ways, in our motives, in our minds? Is our heart divided before the Lord? In the days of John, suddenly the people were aware that they had to come before the Lord in repentance. And a wave went across the city that we need to come before the Lord. We need to confess. We need to turn to God And their ways were exposed to them by the voice that was declaring John the baptizer. Today I'm asking, Lord, 
let our hearts be fully exposed. We know that God knows us. We know that God sees us. He sees everything. We can't hide anything from him. So why seek to hide from the Lord that which he desires to be exposed? The only way to no longer have fellowship with darkness, with sin, is to reject it, is to confess it, is to turn from it and turn to Christ. And this morning, what I believe for the church, what I believe for ourselves, is that God wants to bring us to the cross again. James put it this way. He's speaking to believers. In James chapter 4, these words are difficult, but he says this, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want to just create a space, an opportunity. There is a world confused, dark, broken. There's a call upon the people of God to shine the light of Christ into that darkness. Are we still in friendship with the world that we want to shine the light into? Are we still walking in darkness when we've been called to walk as children of light? I believe that what precedes a deep move of repentance, of turning to God, of addressing our waywardness and turning to Him is the breakthrough that God wants to bring. Not only in this world, but in your own family. Not only in Bromley, but in your own lives, in your workplaces, in your confusion, in your own brokenness, in your own heartache. Let's humble ourselves. Let's invite the Lord to meet us. He says he gives more grace. He goes on to say, those who draw near to him He draws near to us. We should not be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the days of John the Baptist who resisted God through their pride. But we are to turn to the Lord in humility. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.